Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Scale Riders podcast episode covering model car culture from around the world. I am your host, 65 Oaks, and we are at episode number 186. Excited for this episode. We are bringing back one of my friends. He goes by the name of Gary Seeds, longtime model builder. Back in the 90s, as you guys know, Lowrider Bicycle Magazine. A lot of, you know, great builds, pioneer of the game. And he's still building till this day and also is painting professionally as well, one-to-one cars, motorcycles, you name it, boats, everything. So let's just go right ahead and get things started and catch up with Gary, see what he's been up to. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey, what's up, Gary? Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How's it going? Oh, awesome. I'm doing well. I'm man. I've, I've been looking forward to this day ever since I asked you. You were like, "Let's do it." I'm like, "Hell yeah, I'm down." Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. I mean, how's, how's the baby? Oh, she's doing well. Uh, she's already uh, two years old, doing daycare wow. as well. And um, you know, the the first week, first day was like she loved it. You know, because it was something new. But then the days right. after that, it was like she's all crying or dropping her off because she's just like, where are you guys going? But now that she's like on that third week, she uh, she really likes it. Now she's like, she doesn't even turn around and say bye. She just runs inside and it's like, yeah. she's all happy. Yeah, now you're uh, now you're her Uber and that's it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's not even that far from here. So it, it it's crazy. Like back then, you know, when she was smaller... I was having, you know, I took, I was taking a break from model building and I was having, having trouble. Like I want to build, but I can't. So right. now we're at the point where drop her off in the morning and I get home. I mean, it's so close to the house. So by the time I'm home, I'd pretty much have an hour window to paint. And the reason why I say paint in the morning is because like, there's no one around. Everybody's, right. you know, off to work or they're just busy doing something and and i don't have to i don't start work till nine so at eight i'm like cool like if i pre-prep and i have stuff laid out i'm like all right i'm i'm ready i could paint something so it's been exciting now like i'm i just it feels great to be able to do that now and oh, yeah and you know once i'm done with that it's like i work and then you know once we pick up the baby she's back and and now it's just you know it's all about her like whatever she wants to do inter- entertaining her and everything and then you know late at night it's like cool i could i could get back on the bench again and work on stuff right so yeah yeah it, it, it's a good feeling it, it's a good feeling now yeah sweet yeah and and um you know you you've been staying busy too i mean it's it's been you know some a while since we've done a podcast together but i know you right. you have informed me you know you text me like some photos of projects yep. and and just various things, and you know, go, going back, I want to go back to um, there was a, a dually that you had built where you um, matched the color scheme also to the boat that was going to carry right. it. And yep. um, t- tell me about that build. Like, what what um what inspired you to to make that? 
to put that together. Well, that that build, you know, I, I used uh, an 80s dually to uh, pull it with and an 80s style uh, drag boat. And back in the 80s, I used to work at a place and we painted drag boats. And um, so I, I painted a lot of those boats for real. And the shop that I worked at had a boat that had that paint scheme on it. We had a black dually, but it didn't match the boat. But I've always wanted to uh, to do a replica of that boat that we had at that shop. And, um, you know, I, I uh, was given a kit by a buddy of mine, Ron Potts, out in California. And it came with a speedboat with it. It's the... Um, I want to say it's like a 71 Pontiac kit that uh, Model King came out with, man, like 20 years ago. Well, it had a boat in it and a convertible Pontiac. And, you know, I I, I just thought, man, there's my boat right there. So, uh, yeah, I had to build it and uh, matched it pretty much close to the original boat that was a, a drag boat. It actually raced. It held a top record for a while for a blown gas flat bottom. Um, I think it was like 163 miles an hour at that time. Dang, that's that's that fast. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was quick in, in a boat. They're, they're going a lot faster now. Mm-hmm. But this was in the uh, mid-80s. And, uh, yeah, that, that boat was pretty cool. When, and, um, when, when you worked there at that shop painting boats... Uh, was were you did you have freedom to just kind of create your own paint or was it something that was kind of set like look we're, we just got this project and this is what the customer wants um pretty much pretty much back then it was i i was just the worker there i was the the painter and um pretty much the body shop manager i was about 25 26 years old at that time and uh, it was owned by a guy named Steve, who was a, a great painter, but he was just tired of painting. So he would say, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And and that's what I would do. Um, that particular boat um, belonged to Steve. So that was his whole, whole uh, brainchild. You know, um, he, he would... I would get it all ready to, to paint, base it out in pearl white, clear it, sand it. Then he'd come in and tape it off, and he'd tell me, man, we're going to do this, this, and this. And uh, and all his ideas were so foreign to me, you know, like that side grid on the uh, side of the boat. And then he, um, he wanted to airbrush louvers on the hood. And uh, so... I was just absorbing everything he was telling me like a sponge and, you know, I'd paint some of it. He'd come in and he'd paint some of it and then I'd clear it. And, um, but yeah, at that time I was still pretty much the student, you know, he, uh, he was the teacher and, and, and I listened to everything he said because the guy was, was so freaking good. He He did a lot of funny cars and stuff like that, that guys from the seventies, they would know all those funny cars. Um, you know, they were big, big name cars. So uh, he had a lot of paint experience behind him. 
Yeah, and and as far as uh, like like the paints, you know, you mentioned pearls. Uh, what would you say would did you see the most being used? Was it primarily pearls more than uh, candies and or metallics? Um, hardly ever metallics, but we did a lot of candies, and everything under those candies all had a pearl base, and um, so we would we would. Uh, you know, I, w- I would base something out. Probably most, a lot of the times it was pearl white because we did 99% of our candies over pearl white. So I would do the, uh, do the base and then I would do what they, they called a textured base, which a lot of guys now call a pebbled base. Um, and then I would, I would shoot the pearl on top of that texture. And then I would, man, it, we were using all lacquers at that time. So I would put, you know, 10, 15 coats of clear on top of that and then sand it flat. And it would make everything underneath the candy. When I put the candy on top of it, you could see all the way down through it into those pebbles or that texture and see all the pearl that's under it, too. But um, Yeah, everything was mainly uh, pearl, pearl bases, you know. I couldn't get him to do any flake bases. He didn't want to do flake bases because um, that flake got everywhere. You know, it, it'd get it it'd be in your next, you know, ten paint jobs because it would be all over the shop, all over mm-hmm. the booth. Um, it just, as a matter of fact, I just did a flake job today on a uh, forty-eight Pontiac, uh, the roof. I'm doing a paneled-out uh, roof for this guy. And uh, it's going to have four or five different candy colors over a silver flake top. And that flake is all over my shop to right now. Dang. Yeah, I, I, I'm, like, visually picturing that. Like, you know, just it gets everywhere. It's hard to get rid of. You could, you know, sweep it or blow it up, but then it, it just gets everywhere. Yeah, it, it's every, it's on top top of the benches. It's on top of your cabinets. It's It's on the floors. It's. And and it and for me it doesn't really matter because I only do custom paint. So if I do a motorcycle next and it's got some flake in it because of the flake that's blown around my shop, you know what? It just adds to it. <laughs> yeah, you it's, know? it's part of the I, part of the flavor. At that yeah, point. I can't I can't do you know everything I I only do custom paint. I don't do. Uh, like, you know, say say somebody's mom crashed her Toyota and they need the bumper and the fender fix. I don't do any of that. If it's candy apple or if it's metal flake or if it's pearl or if it's graphic out or flamed or airbrushed or whatever, I do that. So, uh, yeah, if a little bit of flake gets in it, hey, I didn't charge you any extra for that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine charging them and they're looking at the bill like, hey, wait a minute, you had quoted me this. And you're like, wait, well, those are the bonuses right there. Yeah, man. <laughs> I decided to flake it. Yeah. So, you know, like back then, the the candies, um, compared to now, I, I want to know like your opinion and like, you know, because there's, there's a lot of paints. I, I hear stories about lacquers, you know, paints and things like that that were being used back then. And how they're, you know, it's not like it is now. Um, were were those candies just very rich uh, when you would see them? 
Yeah, they, um, well, I, I tell you the, the biggest difference between now and then is the price. The price in the 80s when you bought a quart of candy, you know, House of Color, uh, candy, uh, we'll say candy red, candy blue, whatever, it, it probably cost you between 12 and 15 bucks a quart. And now, you know, the only way to really to to paint it, I buy all concentrates, and those are eighty dollars a little. You know, I, I don't know what how many ounces. I think it's like two ounces in a in a can. Um, you know, the price is just so much expensive. But uh, it it I don't know if it was easier or harder, or if they actually looked that much different. Um, and I heard. Bill Carter once told me one time he 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 was so impressed with the base coat candies, you know that the concentrates that you would mix into a, a inner coat clear, or I use binder myself. It's uh, it's cheaper. Binder is is basically the clear that your base coat uh, paints are mixed only without the color. Is it kind of compared to, let's say, like a like an SG100 from House of Color? Yeah, SG100 is like super clear when you put, when you open up the can, and a binder is kind of cloudy, but it dries clear. Mm, okay. But the SG100 is priced way more than the binder, and it's basically the same thing. So, you know, I I buy. I buy the binder because I can pass that savings on to my customer, you know, um, and it, and it works just the same, but spraying that binder is a lot like spraying, uh, lacquers. It's, you know, you mix in your, your candy concentrate into this binder, you reduce it and you spray it out, you know, your candy color, like you're doing, uh, you know, I, I mainly do a bunch of graphics. So my my area of, of spraying isn't really that big of an area, not like doing a whole car, but um, it's just like spraying a lacquer. And, and Bill Carter told me one time that he goes, you know, because he, he came from a day of uh, when it was all lacquer. And um, he, he said, you know what? He goes, this is like the closest thing to painting lacquer. And you know what it is? I started thinking. I go, it really is. So I don't. I don't see much difference in painting lacquers and painting these base coats. Yeah, because I mean, they just they look nice. You know, every, every time you, you see a car, especially you know, I, I see a lot of pearls being used now, like on the well, even back then, like on custom cars. Mm-hmm. You see it a lot more. Um, and then I, I feel like I see more like metal flake being used with like lowriders, with candies, and sometimes some pearls, but I, I see a lot more with the custom cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a flake freak. I love metal flake. You know, you, you could paint anything metal flake, and, and it's just going to draw my eye. I, I like metal flake. I don't like what it takes to do a a really nice metal flake job because it's a lot of clear, a lot of sanding, a lot of re-clearing just, just to bury all that flake. But 
you know, the, the uh, end result, you, you can't compare it to anything else. You see that thing sitting out at a car show or, or just as the sun's going down five, six o'clock, you know, seven o'clock as the sun is going down and, and you see it cruising down the street underneath the street lights as they're coming on and you see that thing dance. Oh man, metal flake is, is, you know, as the kids would say, it's the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. That's not that I, not that I think kids still say that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And you know, with uh, with metal flake, do you uh, just purchase like the like the silver metal flake, or or do you also pick up some of the the colored flakes, like in gold, or or you know, there there's companies that offer also like flakes that are in color. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I mainly do just about everything I do is over silver flake, but I do have a ton of gold flake, um, that I accumulate somehow. I either buy it for a job and have leftover or somebody will show up and say, Hey man, I got this jar of flake. You know, I don't use flake. You want it? And I, and I end up with these, you know, like gold. I have a lot of gold. I had to buy silver today and um, and you know the, the customer that I'm doing this 48 Pontiac for he wanted a gold flake and then candy colors on top of it but I had to and he doesn't know this yet but I had to make a uh, executive decision you know what it doesn't need gold it needs silver Mm -hmm. so i went to my cabinet i figured okay i'll pull out enough flake to silver this thing he's not getting gold and even though i have a ton of gold i i didn't have enough silver so i had to call the paint store and uh say hey i i need some silver flake do you have silver flake on your sh shelf and yeah they did so i had to pay another 80 something dollars for a jar of flake that i could have just gone ahead and given him what he wanted and save myself 80 bucks. Um, but you know what? That's what the job, the job needs silver flake. You know, he wanted gold, but he's going to have to understand that no gold's not going to look right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a lot of, of gold flake and the color flakes that you're talking about, uh, you know, blue, red, they, they got some bitching colored flakes. I never use them. I never buy them. Um, I would rather do something silver flake and then, and then tint it with my candy, mm, yeah. on top of, you know, mm. but, um, some of those flakes, they, they look pretty good. Um, but I, I never use them. I do have some colors in there. I've, I don't think I've ever gone out and bought them, but over the years, other painters or guys that are getting out of the business, will uh, call me up and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm getting rid of a bunch of my stuff. I have all this flake. You want it? So I end up with this this color flakes that I rarely do I use. Um, I have used them occasionally just as accents on certain graphics or panels, but um, I really don't, don't use them that often. It's always uh, silver. Yeah. And, and when you're spraying, doing these flake jobs, are you, well, you said earlier, like you're using a binder, so it's, you're yeah. pretty much spraying them wet. Do you, um, 
ever do it, spray it dry? Like you shoot your clear and then you hit it with dry flake? No. And, and some guys do that. There's, there's a gun. I think, I think Roth, uh, has flake that does that. Um, Roth brand. Um, and, and it's called dry flake. And, uh, I've never done that. I, I've, I don't think I've even seen it done, but what I uh, understand is they, they hook a gun right up to the jar and uh, just shoot the flake out. Man, that must be get know. messy, I bet, even more. Yeah, <laughs> man. Um, I couldn't imagine it, but um, no, I'm, I do everything pretty much the way it was done, you know, 50 years ago. Um, that That's my whole thing is I do everything very old school. I don't know any of the new techniques. I don't know, you know, the, uh, the new brands that are, people are, are talking about, you know, like that tropical blitz that you use. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never tried it. I've never even heard about it until I think until you and Armando had mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but to me, that's all new school stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still stuck in the, in the late seventies and early eighties. And I'm still using house of color and reducer and, um, you know, everything I do is like so old school. It's it's, I'm, I'm either behind or, or uh, I just don't need to be there. It's, it's another thing for me to learn. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, you're in a good place. I mean, especially having that experience and being there at that time, when a lot of these things were were going on, because you know there there is a lot of uh, new painters, or maybe within the last five to ten years or so, but but you know they, everyone always wants to do their homework and go back, and there's only so much information, you know it seems quite limited that I I feel like some people wish they were able to experience, um, right? You know the era or to see it. Or to even be at a shop and see somebody do it, and and now you know like Tropical Glitz, it, it you know that that is a new. I would say it's still for like a new company. The paint they've probably been doing it. I don't know if it's been like like four years now or five that they've been since they per, started busting out with their paint line. Um, but you do see it more, a lot more people using it, uh, tagging it, and posting photos and videos. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen stuff that they painted with that, and and it's awesome looking paint. Yeah, it, it's just it's just another another avenue that I would have to stop what I'm doing, and now you know uh, get used to using this stuff over here, mm-hmm. and uh, and this the stuff what I do now, you know the 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 bases that I use or the candies that I mix up or the pearls or whatever i've been doing it so long it's like it's second hand i don't think about anything i just mm-hmm. you know my my brain just automatically goes right to where i need to be and um yeah so but, it's easy yeah it's not like 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 you're like oh let me go on the computer and print out the tech sheets and and look them right. over you know <laughs> you're you're like be, be way past that that's dope that's awesome yeah, even the uh, the gun that I use to do all my flaking still, mm-hmm. I've had that gun for 40 years. Wow. 
it, it's the, the same gun that I've always metal flaked with. It's the only gun I metal flaked with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've had it forever. I've retired that gun once, you know, yeah. I, that gun had been through so many paint jobs, um, over the years. And, uh, when I got my new guns, um, I thought, well, maybe it's time to retire these guns. And, and I engraved them. I, uh, I, I got a engraving gun and I engraved, uh, you know, flames and, and kind of pinstripe designs on them and everything else. And my, my plan was to polish them up and, and just kind of display them yeah. and, you know, and retire them. They're, they're, you know, they've done so, they put in so much work and uh, custom paint over the years that I was, you know, instead of getting rid of them, I was going to actually, you know, I don't know, preserve them and, and, and kind of give them a, a honorable bur- burial, you know, but then I tried to flake with other guns and I thought, man, I need my guns back. So out they came. And, uh, and those, those are what I, I just used them today. As a matter of fact, That's I guess cool. they'll never go away. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like with that saying, you know, like use them until the wheels fall off or, <laughs> you know, it's, you just, you got to keep using them as far as like, Aside from the flake gun, um, what other air, airbrush guns do you use primarily for uh, for your jobs there at the shop? Um, I you know, it, it's funny because um, I have I have buddies, and they're always calling me, and they're always, dude, I got this new gun, I got this gun, I got that gun. I said, dude, didn't you just buy guns like six months ago? And they go, yeah, yeah, but these ones just came out. And I got the, and they're not cheap, you know, they're, they're over a thousand bucks a piece, these guns now. And, um, you know, that, that old flake gun that I, I have, I remember when I first bought that gun in the eighties and it was a $200 gun, which was a lot of money back then to, to pay for a spray gun, but it was the gun it, it was the gun. If you wanted the candy, if you wanted the pearl, um, you know, if you wanted to shoot lacquer clear, it was a Devalvis JGA 502. Um, it was the gun back then. And um, so I understand these guys buying these newer guns, but I, I can't do it. The two guns that I use right now, I've had both these guns for probably 10 years. 10 years. And, you know... They, they they spray fine. Those pictures and videos that I, I've just recently sent you not too long ago, they were done with these two guns that I've had for 10 years. And uh, what they are are Iwatas. Nice. Wow. Yeah, Iwata guns. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of people using the Iwata. You know, they I, I use their airbrushes a lot. I do have... Um, some of their spray guns as well that I've purchased in the past. I just have not used them uh, lately, right. but the airbrushes, um, I love using their airbrushes a lot. And I mean, it, I always hear good things about their products from different people. Oh yeah. Thank God for Iwata because um, ever since I was probably 12 years old, I wanted to be an airbrush artist so bad and I would go through badgers and I would 
buy Pache's, you know, because everybody said, oh, Pache's the one. Ed Roth himself said Pache is the airbrush gun. So I bought year after year Pache's, and I must have had 20 Pache's at one time. And uh, nothing but frustrating, spitting guns, always having to clean out the bottles. The guns would spray great for five minutes, and then all of a sudden they'd clog up. And they, I could never get one to work. And um, at one time, I went to work for Disney as an airbrush artist, and they were using Pache's. And there was a guy that worked across the uh, counter from me or the, the bench in our little um, department there. I worked in something called bigger finishing. And um, he had an Iwata. And I go, what is that? He goes, oh, man, I just got this gun. He goes, try it out. So I tried it out. And I was never an airbrush artist until I picked up an Iwata. The second I picked it up. It, everything had changed and i had a kid ask me one time man i want to get into airbrushing um i can't afford to get an airbrush though but i'm going to one day and i said you need an airbrush and he said yeah and i opened up a drawer and i said you see all those airbrushes he goes yeah you can have them all they were uh all those pachets all the bottles all the needles everything and I, I got rid of all those guns, and I only had one airbrush at that time, an Iwata. And, uh, yeah, there's, like I said, thank God, Iwata. Wow, uh, that's, that's a trip. I, you were just like, here, take them all, man. They're all yours. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that a, a couple of times. At, at one time, I thought I wanted to do tattoos. And... um so I bought all the tat. No, matter of fact, I did some artwork for a guy. The guy said, hey, I need this drawing done of this stuff and this and whatever. It was a hot rod, something with a Jack Nicholson. And it was a buddy of mine, Jason. And um, he said, I'll, I'll give you this tattoo equipment if you can draw this for me. So I drew it for him. And he ended up giving me a couple of guns, a bunch of inks, a bunch of needles. I did uh, a few tattoos. You know, I thought a, a tattoo artist would be cool because I thought I'd be tattooing hot little chicks that wanted a little, you know, rose on them. But I ended up tattooing a bunch of my drunk buddies that were <laughs> sweaty and drunk and, and you're, pimp, you're tattooing over pimples and and whatever, you know. And, and I just thought, you know what, this, this, I, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to do this anymore. So I put everything in a box and uh, I, I just did a flame job on this guy's Studebaker pickup truck. And um, I was at, out in my front yard. The guy was coming to pick it up. And so I thought, well, I'll wash it really quick. And I was there washing it. And this, this guy come walking up the street and uh, he started talking to me about this Studebaker pickup truck. He goes, oh, man, I, I like the paint job on it. And I go, oh, thanks. Yeah, I just... Uh, flamed it and and uh, he starts telling me how he just got out of jail he got home and somebody had stolen all his tattoo equipment and uh so 
he was down on his luck and he didn't have a job or anything. And I said, if you had tattoo equipment, would you, would you be okay? He goes, yeah, I'd start making money today. Man, if I had it, I walked him in the garage and I said, there you go. I opened up the drawer and I said, boom, take it, take all of it. And it was a whole tattoo thing. And then about five years later, I thought I wanted to do a tat, be a tattoo guy again, tried it out for a while. And, uh, Decided again, I didn't want to do it. And another neighbor of mine who lived right behind me, his house got broken into and they stole all his tattoo stuff. So I was lucky enough where, where I was in the position to pass this stuff on to somebody that could actually use it. And that's the way I figure it. It wasn't for me, but for some reason or another, God had said, hey, I'm going to give you this stuff. Hold on to it because... Eventually, you're going to be able to help somebody with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's cool. He came through with them right there. That's tight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it, it's cool when you like able to do that once. But I, I, I really feel like you're blessed when you're able to do it three times in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. these people you don't even know walk up to you and say, hey. I, I need something and you just happen to have it. And and I think it might change their life somehow, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I was always kind of, I was always kind of uh, glad of that, but I've always been kind of like, like proud of that, that I can share that story with people. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. That, that That's a great story right there. Yeah. Cause it's hard, you know, especially when you're down on your luck and, and you know, oh, yeah. you know that, you know, you have a skill, you're capable of doing something. It's just, there's just some, you know, you don't have, you know, that, that backing at that moment, you know, that, right. and when you get that push, it, it just, it's, it definitely changes everything right there for you. Right. You yeah. Know? Man, that's, yeah. that's cool. And, um, you, uh, you know, you recently sent me a, a video, uh, that you were featured on, on a YouTube channel. Uh, a, mo right. a motorcycle, a, a bagger uh, that was uh, premiered. So, so this bagger here, um, you know, from watching the video, you know, it, you know, it, they. Um, can you tell us like how it all came together, how they got in contact with you, and how the whole project came together for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a lady named Denise. They they call her Baby Girl, and. Uh, her and her boyfriend are, are kind of big internet type people, I guess. Um, she puts on motorcycle shows and he's, he's a guy they, they call the donk master. He kind of invented this drag racing with donks, you know, these big wheel 71 Impalas um, that just haul ass. I mean, they're, they're fast. I think he was kind of the brainchild behind this whole thing now that's, that's happening all the way, you know, across the States. But, um, they're, they're pretty big on the internet, baby girl, Florida and, uh, donk master. And, uh, they're really nice people. Anyways, they were building this motorcycle and, um, I guess she had contacted me like a couple of months prior to meeting me. She tried to get a hold of me through um, Facebook and uh, Instagram, but I don't have that stuff anymore. 
So she contacted me through those, but I never seen them. And uh, well, one day uh, she had mentioned to her boyfriend, Donk Master, um, that she's looking for this guy, Gary, to paint his to paint her bike because she's, you know, heard several things around the town here. And uh, everybody says, yeah, you ought to take that to Gary. Well, she ended up running into, uh, well, this dunk matcher said, I know who that guy is, but I don't know where he's at. He used to live across the street from me. And at one time I did live across the street from him. Um, Today I used to see his cars down in his driveway. But um, they ran into a buddy of mine, Billy, who says, oh, I'm good friends with him. I'll, I'll give you his numbers. Well, they end up calling me. And uh, so she, she's explaining to me that I've got this motorcycle. It's, it's, we're breaking out with a 34-inch front wheel. And uh, it's going to be all over the Internet. And I really need somebody to paint it. And I really want you to paint it. And I told her, I said, you know what? I, I don't really paint, you know, because I, I, I stay busy pretty much on the stuff that I, I get. And I don't like to stay too busy because I'm kind of semi-retired. And um, so I, I told her, you know, I, I could tell that she needed help. So I, I, I finally told her, I said, you know what, bring it by here and let me look at it and see what I, I need to do. Well, she said, there's one thing, though. It needs to be done like in a week, maybe a week and a half. And I thought, oh, crap, that's that's a lot of work to do that quick but she was she was desperate this lady was and um so i told her to bring the bike let me look at it and it was this full you saw pictures of it it was this full bagger big wheel motorcycle she didn't have any idea what she wanted on it all she knew is she wanted it pink and purple and she didn't care what else i did to it so um i ended up doing that bike and uh in order to do it, I had to have a couple of my buddies. Um, I had Jacob and Jeremy. Jacob is a tattoo artist. If you if you Google his name, JJ Quick, um, I guess there's all kinds of stuff on the internet. And then my buddy Jeremy Watts, who uh, is sort of a part-time car painter in his backyard, but he works at a Boeing aircraft. Anyways, these two guys came over here and helped me sand and primer and block. And I, I got this thing done in a week and a half because it was going to uh, Rick Ross was having a big car show in Atlanta and the bike had to be there. And that's where it got unveiled. She hadn't even seen the motorcycle until it was uh, at that show and they revealed it to her. That was the first time she'd seen it all put together and painted. But yeah, that's basically what happened. And and then they they videotaped this whole build so they could put it on YouTube. So they came by here and they, they interviewed me. They interviewed uh this guy Troy Troy that I know who did the seat. And then the guys that actually put it together. I guess that she interviewed them. And um and that's what that, that video came from that uh I had sent you was uh, me in the garage um, being interviewed by these two. 
Yeah, that was dope. I mean, her her reaction, she was just tripping. She was so happy, like when she saw it, when it was oh, unveiled. Yeah. You know, um, she has no idea. Yeah, I'm I'm glad she gave you that uh, creative freedom to do your thing. You know, just giving you the colors, and it's right. like do your thing. You know, um, yeah. I, I think that's very important because it is. You know, you have all this experience, and you know, you know what's gonna go with what. And sometimes um, a customer could have could own a nice car or a bike, but may not have that flavor or that knowledge of what goes with what. And oh yeah, no, I I get guys all the time, and they've got this idea in their head, and and I'll talk to them, and we're going over the ideas, and I'll keep shaking my head, and I go no, no. No, not like that. And as they're talking to me, they'll start looking around my walls. My walls are covered with stuff that I've painted, uh, a lot of pictures and stuff. And they'll and they'll finally go, you know what? I like blue. I just want some blue on it. <laughs> and and whatever you decide to do is fine. So 99.9% of I've never had anybody pull a, a vehicle or a bike and say, you know what? Yeah, we, we just can't get together on this idea um they'll tell me this is what you want this is what i want this is what i want and i'll go no you can't have this and you can't have that because i'm not going to paint that because my name's going to be on that and, and i don't want that and eventually they'll they'll come around to my thinking and say okay yeah you know what i i think it's probably best if you do and it really is you know, you want to go to the dentist and, and you know, tell him how, how to work his job. You, you want him to, to do his job the best way he knows how to do it. Yeah. That's and so that's why, you know, if I had more time to spend with that motorcycle, it, it could have been even more, you know, out there with that paint job. But I only had so much time and it literally left here. Uh, like at seven o'clock at night and then went all the way up to the top of the state to be put back together so that they could take it to the show the next morning. You know, everything on that thing was just a, a rush, rush, rush. Yeah. And, um, a lot of pressure. I bet like, you know, the, the, the clock is ticking, the days are going by and it's just like, it's just getting closer to the date that they need it for. Right. But the whole time I'm working, when I work on stuff, when I'm sanding it, I'm primering it, I'm blocking it, that whole time I'm getting to know that the shape of that vehicle or the shape of that motorcycle. And my head is just working. This is where I'm going to put this line. I'm going to put this line. I'm going to do this down the middle. So when I start doing that actual tape off, it just flows and it goes quick, you know, um, so as far as yeah. as far as like tapes, is there a preference or a brand that you like to use on your always three M three M okay always three M I I don't buy anything but three M tape. Um, I I just went through a thing where with the paint store where I I've been buying three M tape tape for almost fifty years, and um, they kept pushing this one tape on me they go well you know i i have this and i think what it was is they were trying to get rid of it mm -hmm. and uh and instead of the yellow tape that i buy all the time it was an orange tape 
And uh, I finally let him talk to me. Okay, give me a sleeve of that tape. I, I bought two sleeves that day. Give me two sleeves of that tape and I'll try it out. And uh, I couldn't wait to use up all that tape so I can go buy my regular tape. I was using it on everything. I was taping benches off with it and whatever, just to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Put it to use, yeah. Yeah, making, making, uh, you know, tape balls and throwing it at my kid. Yeah. (laughs) We need to get rid of this tape. Yeah. Man, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, it it sucks that, that, you know, they kept kind of, you know, egging it on. Like, hey, you should try this one. But now, yeah, you yeah. gotta just stick to stick to what you know is gonna work best. Yeah, and that's what I do. You know, I I, I buy the same products over and over and over again because I I know those products. You know, I know House of Color. You know, I know Nason. Um, I I just know that stuff, and I know what it's gonna do, and it's not gonna be any surprises because, you know, the the thing about painting is you can be surprised at any second. Everything could be going perfect, and then all of a sudden something happens, and, uh, you know, it it could stop everything. Yeah. With, so, with, with your experience now, I mean, I'm sure you're prepared in case something does happen to, oh, yeah. uh, to fix it. You know, compared to someone that w- would be new, let's say you have someone at the shop, you know, that you tell and make, I need you to do this. And then let's say they mess up. They're going to probably freak out if they don't have that experience. Right. But yeah, nothing, nothing freaks me. Everything is, if something goes wrong, um, I think because of over the years of dealing with this stuff, it it doesn't really phase me. I just figure out a way to repair it and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I don't like to stop painting something because something happened um like for instance just three days ago i'm painting a rear fender and a peanut tank um for a guy out in california a buddy of mine rick and uh, i'm doing a a tie-dye paint job with uh um the grateful dead band uh artwork all over it for this uh, chopper he's building but um, I, I started painting everything pearl white. I, first, I did all the body work and, and blocked it and got it all ready for paint. And I started putting on the first coat of the, the white for the, uh, then I'm going to do the pearl. So I put on the first coat and I noticed I had a, a pinhole right on the edge of the fender. And I kind of stopped for a second. I looked at it and I thought, man, how could I miss that little pinhole? But um, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and paint it, let it dry for an hour, come out here, patch up that pinhole, and then just keep going. And uh, and that's what you do. A lot of people can paint, but you, you know you're a painter when you can fix stuff while it's still in the booth. That's going to be your deal. Because um, every painter is going to screw up something, forget something. I don't care how long you've been doing it. Um, what your reputation is, any of that stuff, you're going to mess something up. And, and what's going to make you stand apart from all the other painters is you're going to be able to fix that in the booth and not stop painting. It's not going to slow you down. You're going to keep moving and then you're going to come back to it and then you're going to finish it. And um, 
so yeah that's that's the whole deal of uh you know not getting wigged out and panicking yeah no that's interesting because you know i i see it sometimes with like the model cars where somebody's painting something they make mistakes and then right away they're going into stripping the whole thing no no i don't strip anything i'll let it dry come back repair that little spot and then keep going keep going forward yeah and you know other people around me if they're like going oh no oh man we got to strip that got... i tell them i say you know what when when you see me panic that's the time for you to panic if <laughs> yeah. you don't see me panicking don't panic yeah i could see that i mean it's almost um I've had that happen even like at work when when I'm with my parents. Um, you know, my, my father is like the floral designer doing all these orders and you know, something will happen or you know, I got my mom freaking out or somebody that working in there is freaking out. And and I've heard that before, like and I see it where I go, Well, if any my dad should be the one, you know, if my dad's freaking out, then oh oh get ready, yeah. you know. Something then you know it's kind of a freak. Yeah. But I see him like super chill about stuff and, and he handles things, he get takes care of if there's an issue it gets fixed, you know, and I'm like, all right, it's it's not time to freak out about that. Yeah. Yeah. It really just doesn't do you any good, especially over anything you're painting, to to freak out because paint is gonna screw up. Paint is it's gonna it's gonna fight you all the time. You know, it's it's like that's what it's made to do is to fight you. So you don't panic. You just, you just keep working with it. And, you know, the worst scenario is there's it's only paint. There's always more paint. All you got to do is go down to the store and they'll sell you all the paint you want. You know, yeah, it's um, like never ending. You could definitely get more. Have you ever had, a, you know, like a new customer or just someone show up at your shop inquiring about, hey, I I had this project right here painted somewhere else and they screwed up or or I was doing it myself and I screwed it up. Can I hire you to like basically fix this? Yeah. Um I I just got that the other day. A guy sent a he has a dually pickup on airbags and all that. It's all custom painted. He a guy up uh north painted it. Um and I've seen the truck. I remember the truck from from years ago and uh, he called me up just the other day and he said that the clear was coming off of it and uh could i could i fix it you know and, and of course my my thing is always i always want to see it you know you, you got to sh- bring it to me and show it to me and i can tell you what we can do with it if another painter says that like say say a guy painted something himself and he says man, I screwed it up and this and that, and I'll look at it and I'll tell them how to fix it. You know, you don't have to pay me to fix it. I'll tell, I tell everybody everything, how I do everything. Um, only to, only to keep, keep this uh, trade going. Um, I don't have any secrets. I, I tell people how I do this, how I do that, you know, how you lay this out. Um, I just, I've been filming stuff on my phone lately for the last few months because I'm kind of thinking about making a YouTube channel again. Awesome. Yes. Uh, so I've been kind of filming stuff, but 
I don't have a tripod and I don't have a camera, so I'm just kind of doing it on my phone. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually mm-hmm. if, if they look kind of cool when they're all put together, maybe I will get a tripod and all that stuff. Yeah. I had a, a YouTube about, shit, 12 years ago, and it got hacked. Um, it was called uh, G-Seeds. No. Yeah, I think it was called G-Seeds. Um, and I, I had like a hundred and was it one point twenty seven thousand subscribers, and one of my videos had ninety nine thousand views. Wow, and that's then, a lot. Yeah, then it got hacked um, by somebody like they were Korean or Asian or something. I don't know. They were selling like like clothes mm. uh, in another country, and and then uh, so I I. I because I couldn't remember the email address that I had back then, I, I had no way of getting back into it. So the last several months, I've been kind of thinking, well, since I can't get it back, maybe I'll just start a new one. So I did open up a, a YouTube account. So I'm going to call it Hanging with Mr. G Seats. Awesome. Yeah, send me the link. Yeah. I want to subscribe. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it, that. That's what the other one is called. It's Mr. G Seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and it's got like ten videos on it. And yeah, it, I mean that's that's cool. I'm I'm happy that you're doing that. Please continue doing that and just you know gather up, document what you're doing, and then once you have all that, you know, all the the videos and everything, you know, then you know you'll have enough uh, content to produce, you know, to edit it and all that. Get a video right. going. Yeah. Well, I, I mainly wanted to do it because um my my youngest son sam he's uh i think he's 28 now but uh he has a child that lives in texas and we hardly ever get to see him and we don't know how often we're going to be able to see him we're going to try to go there at least once a year around his birthday to visit him but um and he he's not with the mother so the the contact is kind of screwed up for us mm-hmm. but i thought if i documented a lot of the custom paint stuff and the model car stuff and and some of the hot rod artwork i do at least he can one day look at it and go oh that's my grandpa right there yeah not you know? definitely yeah because you know we uh it's like i i wish now when i look back i think about my grandfather and there was a period of time where i grew up with them for like you know i was around him for like 20 years like most part of my life like and like half of my life but then it was like i still feel like man i you know i rode bikes we did all these cool things but i still didn't ask him about his past or about other things you know i wish i wish i would have known more um now that i'm older i'm like wishing like man i could have asked him a bunch of stuff but i never did you know, right. I, or it was just whatever was going on right there present. Well, 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 that's all it was. You know, but that would be awesome. I mean, for him to be able to see, you know, that knowing like his history, his family history as right. well. So, no, that's awesome. That's that's a, a really cool idea right there. Yeah, I, I thought it'd be pretty cool. So lately, like I said, um Starting with that that '63 Corvette, I sent you a video of that uh, 
the real car? Yes. Yeah, I, I started filming back then. So I've been filming everything I've done since then. This is a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, I thought it'd be cool. When he's old enough, he can... Because I, I think once you put that stuff on there, doesn't it stay on there forever? Yeah, it, it stays on there until until you delete it, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's a lot of... There's just so much space. Like, that's the one thing about YouTube. They're not going to limit you, like, oh, you only have a little bit of space left. Right. You, know, you you can upload as many videos as you can. And I believe, I don't know how it is now, but once you reach, like, at least a 1,000 followers, you can monetize the, the channel. So pretty much you sign up with AdSense and you, um, um, like, every time that, you're getting views because they put all the ads in there. Mm-hmm. Then um, AdSense is the through Google who's uh, who will pay you for your content. That's why you see all these YouTubers who have like a million like followers or more, right? Subscribers, and these guys like all they do is videos because they make they're making money each month. Like each month, they're probably getting ten grand, twenty grand, thirty grand. From just wow. videos, it's it's insane. But but they've been doing it for for a long time, to that they got to that point. Now it's you know they always keep tweaking and changing things on there. You could monetize. It's just it takes it's it's it seems like it seems tough. Like if you I think if if you have like good content and and you know you're known for sure, people are gonna um, sign up. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. sign up and they're gonna see, and if you're consistent, like every so often, kind of, you it's almost like you have to uh, kind of plan like, all right, if if I can crank out a video at least once a week or once every couple of weeks, you know it it um it, it keeps people connected, like engaged, because they look forward to it. But if but it's hard if it's like a video maybe once every other month or so. Um, yeah, people are gonna like miss a video or so. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know, but uh, but it's cool though. I mean, if anything, just you know, create the content and just put it out, put it out. Everything else will happen later as it goes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's sort of like a you know that's why I've been kind of like filming everything and documenting everything, and, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do uh, like the model car stuff. I haven't really sat down and done any of that stuff yet but um the painting stuff i'm kind of doing it as uh not only you know this is this is what i painted this week but a how-to so Mm -hmm. i'm kind of doing step by step and uh in in one of my uh videos i mentioned that you know that you could paint this in your garage using simple tools and a, and a little bit of know-how, and uh, you can get the same, you know, effects or results. So I think people might kind of enjoy it because, uh, you know, they'll actually learn how to do what I'm doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want to do that. Yeah, the, the tutorial videos are definitely always going to be, like, like they're always going to be good because of the information. I remember, like, years back when... When I was like, all right, I want to learn how to use House of Color paint for my model cars. I right. Would, I would type in on YouTube, you know, how, how to mix House of Color paint 
and and then I would put model cars, and nothing nothing would come up because I was putting the word model cars next to it. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, let me just put House of Color, and then all these videos would pop up with House of Color. But then you know I was a bit confused because I was looking at the tech sheets, and that stuff's basically telling me for like one on one scale stuff. Right. And and and, and sometimes it would say there, like. Uh, to not be used with an airbrush. And I'm like, what? And then on video, um, it, it, they weren't really showing you how to mix it. It was already like, all right, we're just going to go out and spray, and they'll just be spraying stuff. Right. And I yep. was like, man, what's going on? I can't find anything. So then finally, through the years, trial and error and everything, that's when I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to try to record a video with what I'm doing. And then I would just... You know, you just be think about the title because that's the what's going to be the grabber, you know. Um, so I just kind of use certain whatever words like thinking this is what somebody would like search and right. and, and then I'd put a model car after it. So then later um, I started getting people like not right away, but <laughs> maybe like within two years when I kind of forgot about the video, I would check my email and then I'd have all these questions and I'd be like. Oh damn! This is like from an old video, you know. So I would have to go back and rewatch the video to to remember. Like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, this is what he's asking me. Right. Like, like all right, all right. But now the tutorial ones are are awesome. Like, I, I think especially, you know, uh, people want to learn. You know, people want to like do something, even if. Uh, because you know, every every time you learn something, it, it it builds up your confidence. Oh sure. You know, and I mean, dang! Like if I would see that, and I see the way like you're doing your stuff, I'll, I know I'm gonna be inspired. I'm gonna be like, wow, I want to try that. And, like on a car, you know, I'll definitely be inspired to, and and wanting to uh, to try that out. Yeah, I I think it'd be pretty cool, but I also wanna. I want to combine it with uh, with the model car stuff too, you know. And um, at one at one time, I used to do a lot of uh, artwork, and it was ma- mainly car stuff, you know. Um, and I kind of want to add in all that stuff because when when uh, he gets older, I want him to be able to see, you know, all this stuff and maybe uh, you know inspire him to. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to mention um, uh, oh, someone on Instagram. Um, I you know I kind of let everyone know in the community earlier today that we we're going to be doing a podcast. And right. His name is Paul. He's part of the the SCMA model chapter. Um, oh, okay. With you, and he he told me to tell you hi. I guess you guys are, oh. are part of the same uh, chapter. Yeah, Paul. Um... He's a he's a part of the club, and um, he just started doing 3D stuff and uh, made some 3D wheels not too long ago. And uh, so at one of the meetings, he gave me a couple of sets. So I, I built this uh, 65 Riviera around those. Um, came out kind of cool. And uh, I don't have any white models. All my all my models are candy apple this or candy apple that, and I used to have a, a '65 Riviera years ago, a white one. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a, a pearl white 
um, 65 Rivy. And that's what I ended up building with uh, with those wheels that he made. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. But yeah, he's, he's a real cool guy. Yeah. What, so what's your uh, your thoughts on the on the 3D printing stuff now? You know, it's, you know, it's, took, I, it's taken off, but what, what do you think about it? I hadn't really done anything with it. And then I was at um, the NNL in uh, Atlanta last year. And um, saw, saw the, the 3D stuff. And um, Jeff, Jeff Metzner, I forget what the name of his... 3D uh, company is. He's out of Colorado. And um, I bought a couple of sets of wheels from him and I haven't used them, but I was just like, like blown away how the detail and, and wheels that you can't get in kits were sitting right there. So um, I, I think they're pretty cool. I got a buddy here named Tim too, that just started uh, 3D stuff at his house. And uh, he gave me a, a LS motor the other day that had dual turbos and um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And then the bodies, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna get something. I don't know what. Yeah, it's it's like very uh, like I guess the word revolutionary. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, you know it, it's just uh, it's changed everything because. You know, there's uh like this GTR uh, by Aoshima that I was uh, right. that I'm, I'm currently still working on, and it it's pretty much already done. It's just like one last thing I need to do it just to finalize the like gluing part. But with that one, I I was using the like the stock wheels it came with on the kit, and then later I was like, oh, Aoshima makes these other chrome wheels I'm gonna use. But I was talking to a friend about it, and I was going like. The wheels are cool, but I don't know that chrome on the on this car right now. It just it just like uh, the car looks a little more sort of real, like a two a one to one, right? But the wheels don't. The wheels look a little more like a toy to me. Yeah, toyish. So uh, my friend was like, "Look, I um, you know, like he draws up wheels and and he prints some, but he's all the way in Australia." And, and he keeps saying, yo, man, whenever you get a printer, you know, uh, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I want to get one, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. So, yeah. um, a while back he had mailed me some, some wheels and the type of wheel that I wanted for this car, uh, he mailed it to me and I had them and I was like, oh, cool. You know, so I put them on and, and I was like, oh, dope. Like, I really like the way they look. But the thing was the the face, like the centers, they were uh, a different color, so it didn't really match the body, like the the color of the body. Right. So then um, he um, he ends up sending me the files and everything, and one of my other friends printed it up for me, and and I and I finally got the three D printed wheels now with no paint on it, just the the raw resin. Yeah. So then I went about. Uh, painting them and everything and just just that process of painting the tires painting the like the the hoops on there and then the the center face um what was it was a very fun experience it very like really not even that much sanding needed to be done to this and um once i put it all together and i assembled the car it just 
they just now came together and I did, I did spray the hoops, um, uh, silver and the, and the center is red, but I, I, I just like the way it looks cause it's not too chrome. Like it's not, it doesn't look too, uh, like a, like a toy, you know, Right. it looks more natural, like what it would probably be on, on, on a car. Um, that, that silver kind of, kind of satin kind of look. And I'm just like, I'm just happy with it now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to send you some photos later tonight so you could uh, check out that, that car. And then later on, I'll take some better ones. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's been fun. I mean, that's, that's the only access I've had so far with it. But I mean, I, I see people printing, you know, kits, wheels and like all these things, engines. Yeah, I definitely think it's probably the best thing that's happened to the hobby in 20 years. Um, the, the, the parts that they're just making are just so unreal. Um, I, mean, I mean, and there's, I don't know his name. Armando's mentioned him to me before. I think you might have mentioned to me before. He, he's the guy out of Japan. It's doing the wire wheels. Oh yes, his name's uh, Gavin. At the name Gavin. of the name of his company's uh, Lowrider Model Car Parts. Oh man, I think if anybody's looking for Lowrider Model Car Parts, they need to contact this guy because he had a set of true spokes. I, I would love to have a set of those. I have to get get a hold of this guy. Yeah, um, you know he um, he so he's based out in Japan, right? But right. He came out to the states. Um, I want to say earlier this year, and um, I saw him in May. Uh, we both were vending at a at a show out here in Northridge. Yeah, and you know, from him staying out here, he also later in, in the months did a he vended at a show in Texas, and then when he came back to California, he was out vending in uh, in the NNL West that they had i believe is it was in june um so after this trip you know he went back home but he did announce on instagram that his uh his wheels are available in the u.s so he has one of his buddies based out of texas so like if you go to his website and you order his wheels or parts um whatever he has on his website available it's being shipped out of texas Oh, okay, cool. So you're gonna get it faster, you know, and because it, it's already yep. here, which is which is a, a cool thing. Because I mean, even then, I, I had ordered from him before, and I, maybe two weeks at the most, or a week and a half sometimes, it'd show up like pretty fast. I, to me, that was fast coming from Japan, and but now you know, just being here in the states, um, you could definitely get it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he's the man when it comes to parts and wheels and all that oh yeah i uh i seen pictures of his stuff um and i couldn't believe how i mean those those are the only wheels to go with anymore if you're building vintage slow rider stuff like i like to build mm -hmm. um you know they, i mean he's got true classics i think and i know he got true spokes um but yeah they they just look so bitching he did a great job. No, nah, they do. There, there is uh, one of my uh, '67 Impala builds 
it's it's one of these builds that um you know i would say i i learned you know under armando like to how to paint with with the flake and the in the candies and all that that was like right. my first attempt at doing like like a proper one that i was like all right i'm i'm like this is going to be that one and that build had a different set of wheels that were done from somebody else back then and but at that time those wheels you know were like you know everybody was getting these wheels um so those wheels are no longer available and i you know i still had them on the car so then when i acquired a set of gavin's wheels a wire wheels i was like now i now it's time to swap the wheels it's time to update the car with the wheels yeah and when i did it it changed the overall look on the car yeah and i was going wow like i wish he would have been around back then so we would have already had these wheels from the beginning yeah and i think i think they're priced pretty reasonable too yeah yeah they are they are i mean honestly to me like when i see them like a set and everything i would think more in the you know 50 60 buck range like what you would normally see but right. but i mean it's way less than that you know yeah um yeah. I, I remember in the beginning they were like at 20 22 25 for just the the like the the wheels just the and then if you wanted tires 3d printed tires then it was going to be a little more like 35 or 30 like not really that much you know and and that's that's fine i mean i i feel like anybody who wants to put that extra detail and wants their cars to stand out and everything yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to invest in your car right you know and um and that's the cool thing because i still remember around like 2017 2018 there was really it was really hard to uh to get proper parts for lowriders especially the wheels that always oh, yeah. that always seemed to be super hard to get where even to me it was a bit it was a headache and a bit of discour discouraging where i remember telling friends man if if i build another lowrider car i'm just gonna build it almost like if it's like a show car like on on stands with no tires <laughs> just yeah. sh just showing the brakes or something and the rotors, yeah. because I cannot, and the knockoff, because I can't find any wheels. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much when all this stuff started, uh, the lowrider models where it got heavy. I mean, there, there's always been lowrider models. I remember as, as a kid building lowrider models back in the 70s. And, you know, you pretty much just glued the tires up into the car and laid it on the table. But um, you were stuck with the kit tires and wheels. Where in the 90s, you know, Pegasus was like pretty much the only kind of wire wheel you could get. I mean, there were guys that were using uh, some kind of kit wheels that came out of a Corvette kit. Um, but yeah, Pegasus was like like the only wheel, really. And uh, I, I think that's why I switched to Supreme so often. Supremes and, and Kragers. Because mm -hmm. uh, I just got tired of the same Pegasus wire wheel that was on there. Um, and as soon as I did that, people were going, oh, I remember that from like the 70s. And all of a sudden it became the big thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
And the only reason I started doing that is because David Garcia started doing that. And, uh, you know, he, he, I think he was the first time I've ever seen anybody that had a Supremes, Astral Supremes on a, uh, on a model, you know, lowrider. And I just thought, fuck, they look so bitching, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. He he pretty much set the standard for lowrider models back then too, with the, uh, like the vintage stuff. Armando was doing the up-to-date, whatever was hip during that time. Mm-hmm. But David was doing the, uh, you know, what was cool in the 60s and 70s with the rabbit ears and uh, organ pipes in the back window and, and Astral Supremes and Bellflower pipes. That that all came from David Garcia. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he, was, he was the one that started doing that first. Mm-hmm. And everybody, including me, I just jumped in, you know, in line behind him. Mm-hmm. And he was young, too, at that time, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we were all, like, 30 years old, he was, like, 16 years old. Yeah. Damn. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And he was already, like, doing all this stuff at oh, that yeah. time. Yeah, he was doing it and doing it better than anybody else. Man, that's crazy. Um, I had asked um, a couple people to submit questions that I wanted to bring sure. up. And one of, one of my friends, uh, there's two questions from him. His name is Javier Godinez. He lives in Northern California. And, I mean, he's he's someone who've, who's he's seen your work from the Loretta Bicycle Magazines from back then. And um, one of the questions that he asks is, um, did you ever watch or, or um, do you know that Bear Garcia had a, a VHS tape showing, um, like, it was like a tutorial tape with, with uh, the trucks bed dancing and like hopping and all that. Did you ever see that tape by any chance? I don't think so. Yeah. Cause that seems to be a tape that, you know, going back and forth with him and other people, some people tell me they've never seen it. Some people say they've seen it, but they just, they don't know where it's at. Like no one has, it seems to have a copy of that. Huh? And I have up and up until about six months ago, um, I, I collect a lot of VCR tapes or v, VHS tapes. I mean, mm-hmm. um, until my my VCR player finally stopped working, and I was sitting there and I was looking at all the tapes I have, and I thought, man, why do I have all these tapes? <laughs> I got because they take up a lot of room. They do. And, yep. And and I I I collect like um, like old biker movies and old lowrider movies and drag racing movies. And uh, I just like them because they're on VHS and you, you know, they, they have a certain sound when you, when you slide them into the VCR and, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to hit the tracking and it, it just takes me back to a day when, you know, that's all you had was VHSs and my yeah. kids would laugh at me because, you know, they go, dad, what do, you, what do you watch these tapes? And, you know, you can get everything on TV now and everything else. But um, that tape there, Bear Garcia, I don't remember that tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's one I, I've asked Jeffries. I've asked you know different people. Jeffrey says he remembers seeing it back then, when around that time when it was out. But but yeah, he doesn't I, have a copy or anything. I think the only one that might is Henry 
you know Henry um, Espinosa? Yeah, Espinosa. You know what? You know I I remember. <laughs> I think I did ask him because I did have him on the podcast a while back. Oh, okay. And yeah. um, it's so funny because I'm trying to remember what he was telling me, but I I think he said he still has like like a lot of, you know, just like like vintage <laughs> stuff from back then, modeling stuff, but like at his at his mom's house, I think. Yeah. And they, yeah. Well, he. He, I just talked to Henry. I talked to Henry once in a while. Mm -hmm. I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago, or maybe even last week. But um, Henry, way back in the day, like in the nineties, um, we would go to model car shows, and and at that time, Henry had a big old giant VCR player uh, camera. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. a, like like a camera, and we used to tease him. You know, like you know, Eyewitness News Channel Seven is here, and <laughs> but he would tape all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and, and we kind of, you know, document everything, you know, back then we used to laugh at them and, and call them, uh, you know, uh, channel seven news and, and this and that. And, um, but you know what, he was really documenting history right there. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of cool that he did because, um, a lot of those guys that were building stuff then aren't around anymore. And, you know, a lot of the models people remember and yeah, but, um, I, matter of fact, I have one of his tapes here uh, that I, that I've had forever. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's yeah. crazy! Yeah, I'm gonna have to bring it up because uh, it would be interesting just to see, like, just to see how that that footage from from back then. Um, yeah, I wonder—is that something on YouTube? Could you Google that? I, I've tried. We've tried looking for it, and I haven't found anything on on YouTube, even through Google, any, any anywhere. Um, I was is even it, trying to it, find photos of it or just anything, and I couldn't find anything. I was like, "Dang!" Is, is there uh, is it like any particular show, or is it just a, a tutorial on how to make stuff hot? Or yes, yeah, it's a tutorial. So um, it, it was like, you know, when I had interviewed Bear Garcia, he did bring it up. You know, about it was a, a company that reached out to him about putting this together and hmm. and it's like you know he he was doing his trucks and everything and and he did get um you know they did record tutorials and everything and and this was something that was put together in a standalone vhs tape you know it was like basically a, a bear like a solo bear garcia tape and and it was being sold um i don't know if it was being sold like you know like through through the magazine ads, you know, or call this number. I really don't know the way because it was sold at that time when that was released. Um, right. But yeah, that was that was something. And and even he said, you know what, I um, I don't even have a copy of it. And he and mm. you know, he's the main one in the video. He had one back then, but now he's like, I don't even know where any of that stuff went. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh man, it almost seems like. Like, I guess if somebody would have it, it would be like a holy grail piece, something to share for people right. to, to view. You know, it, it would be a a time capsule taking you back. Sure. You know, and um, a, a second question my friend Javier wanted to ask is uh, uh, what model that you've created are you most proud of out of all the model cars you've built? 
Um, man, I don't really know. I uh, I've built so many models. Um, I've had real cars where where that question would be like simple, you know. Oh, I want my '57 Chevy back, but um, model car wise, you know, you know, a, a car that I guess I'm I'm kind of proud of because a lot of people remember this car is that '63 Impala that I built that was in the Lowrider bike. It was the car i built to specifically get in that magazine um i saw lowrider bicycle magazine and i told my buddy ron potts i said dude i'm gonna build a model and get in that magazine and this was like man in the early 90s i think so i uh sat down with this um 63 chevy impala kit and uh cut it all open and painted it and built it and took it to San Diego. This is when San Diego show used to be in a fire department building. It's like an old, uh, I think it was like a, a building that used to be a fire department. I don't think it was a fire department anymore, but um, I showed up there, put it on the table and um, I remember Armando's local 64 was there and uh, uh, Rick Hicks had a 53 Chevy called Grapevine. It was a purple, really bitchin' building, built uh, model. And then my 63, and we were all in the lowrider, I think. And my 63 actually won best interior at that show. But Nathan from Lowrider Bicycle was there and walked over and said, Hey man, bring your model over here. I want to take pictures of it. And uh, I think that's probably my most memorable model for me. Maybe one of my favorites. It was simpler than than a lot of the models I built later, but that was the actual one that um, got me a lot of uh, recognition in the lowrider model building community. Was that '63? Yeah, no, I, that to me as well, it's like a very iconic car, model car that you built. Um, because, yeah, you know, the the way that it's presented in the magazine. Right. And just having that, I, I really love how they gave you that one page spread that you could just yeah. even just cut out it, even frame it. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, I think it's hanging on my wall in my model room. Yeah. I think and, I do have it framed and hung up there. I mean, it, it just looks, it looks really nice. Um, like the roof, er, everything that was like put together on that, on that build, yeah. you know, that build that you did at that time, if, if you had to, let's say now, uh, re try to recreate that, um, do you think that's something that you, you is possible to do or, or maybe it's something maybe that that you maybe not want to revisit um i think it's 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 very simply reproduct reproduced mm -hmm. um you know because it's basically 63 impala 
with the uh, the trunk and the driver's door cut open. I think the passenger door might have been cut open too. Now that I think about it, but um, they weren't hinged. They were they were stationary open. Um, the uh, the the motor was a uh, chrome parts pack, and I, I put you can't really see it in the picture, but it has a, a blower on that motor that's sitting down in front of the engine which was kind of oddballish for low riders back then. Um, and then it was painted sun, sunrise pearl with a, I think it was a gold metal flake top with some candy tangerine. So yeah, it, it could easily be reproduced. Um, I've, I've thought about it several times over the years. You know, maybe I'll build another one. Just to, just to have it to go with the picture that I have from the magazine, but I never have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, when when you did the roof, um, did you have to spray like a lot of clear to bury that that flake? Um, probably. Just like I do, like a like a real car, I'll clear coat the uh, flake and then I'll sand it and then I'll re-clear it again. So I, I probably cleared that car twice. I remember the night before that show, I was trying to finish it. And, um, you know, I cut the doors open. So there's nothing holding that car together except for the rocker panels down below. And uh, they were so thin that the car snapped in half. Oh. And I thought, no, no. <laughs> that, that's why that car has uh, chrome rocker uh, panels on it. I took them out of a Nova kit just to hide the fact that they snapped in half and been glued back together again Mm -hmm. but that happened like at 12 o'clock that night yeah i had to be down in san diego by you know eight in the morning so yeah i think i was up all night that night yeah i was gonna say you probably didn't even get any sleep you were just up yeah putting it together yeah but i remember it sitting in two pieces and thinking oh man (laughs) that's crazy yeah yeah, but that, that car's got a lot of fond memories. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up selling it to, uh, there used to be a, a hobby shop right around the corner from where I lived in Harbor City called uh, Big Kid Enterprises. And a guy named Dennis used to uh, own that place. And I sold him that car. And I think I sold him a 66 Riviera that I also built um that was in in that photo uh when they did the article of that 63 i think was in there um and then when he closed he sold it to another guy so the car's out there somewhere Mm -hmm. and you know big kid enterprises i i never i i have always saw their ads on the magazines Mm-hmm. But I never once, you know, ordered anything. I was just too young, you know. And even if I told my parents, they, I don't know if they would have figured it out. You know, I don't, I really don't know. Not to put them down, but, you know, it's just one of those things. They'd be like, well, what do you want? <laughs> what are you doing here? But, um, oh, yeah. but like, you know, your experience of, of, you know, tell us about Big Kids Enterprises. Uh, Big Kid Enterprises originally was across town from where I lived, it was in Carson. And it was just a little hobby shop. I would stop in after work and uh, buy, buy a couple of models. 
and uh, just kind of look around. And uh, I went in there one day, and Dennis, the guy that owns the place, we were, we were the only two in there, and started we started talking, and uh, I had mentioned that that day was my birthday. So he said, it's your birthday? And I said, yeah. And he walked over and he picked up a kit and gave it to me. He said, here, happy birthday. And uh, so um, I went by there one day and his place was closed. And uh, well, it turns out he, he moved like three blocks from my house down in um, Harbor City. I don't know if, if that's the borderline of uh, Lomita, where he was at, or if he was in Harbor City, or he might have even been in Carson. That might have been Carson over there. But, anyways, um, he he was big into. He had a kid working for him that knew how to make uh, model cars hot. And uh, Dennis got this idea that he could prefabricate these hopping chassis and um, and sell them. And then he got this idea that he could have the chassis chrome-plated and then all the pieces that go to the chassis chrome-plated and people would buy those. Um, Mad Dog, which was a guy in, that used to be in our club, uh, Down to Scale, because at that time I, I had started Down to Scale. And um, there was a guy named Mad Dog, named David, but we called him Mad Dog. Um, he, he worked there for a little bit with Dennis. Um, but then, you know, eventually everything, everything ends and uh, Dennis closed up again after a few years. I know he got real mad at me when, um, well, he, he wasn't mad at me, but he was, he was mad at the Lowrider Bicycle Magazine because um, when they did the, the first article, they did a couple articles on me. And the first one they did, they mentioned that I bought all my stuff at Pegasus and didn't mention his name. Oh, so, dang. Yeah. yeah. So he, he thought it was me. And mm. I said, dude, they never even asked me, yeah. you know, they just put that in there. But. Would yeah. you, would, do you think uh, at that time, like those two companies were very competitive against each other? Those two stores? I think Dennis was more competitive with Pegasus. I don't think Pegasus was competitive with anybody because mm -hmm. they at that time were the top dog. Yeah, and, they were just uh, doing their own thing. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, David Garcia used to work there. Mm -hmm. He uh, worked there behind the counters and stuff. And uh, yeah, so you had a you know like like a young prodigy killing it with the models. He's featured on uh, the magazines. He works there. And yeah. I bet, you know, that's a big attraction for model builders, like young kids to come out and meet them and oh. ask them questions. Yeah. Plus, you know, David was doing a lot of articles for a lowrider magazine or lowrider bicycle, um, doing, you know, how to do interiors and how to do this and that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, he he was uh, he was claiming some fame, you know, doing all that stuff. Yeah, that's tight. But man, that must be tough though. Like, I I, I could see you being in that position, like, because that's still, oh, yeah. it, that does happen though. Sometimes they don't they don't even ask sometimes some questions and then they just throw it in the article. Oh yeah, well I had 
I had walked in there and what I didn't know anything about what was going on. And uh, he was like literally like like pissed off. And I said, what are you pissed off about? And uh, and he says, look at the article right here. Why does, why does it say, you know, Gary buys all his stuff at Pegasus? And I go, fuck, oh, dude, I didn't even know that was in there. You know, Nathan um, had actually come to my house and did that photo shoot um, at my house and uh, never, never asked me about Pegasus or Dennis or big kids or anything. I never even thought to mention big kids, you know. Um, I was just happy that he was at my house. I went and bought a pizza so we could eat. You know, um, yeah, because I mean, I, I would see the their article, like not the article, but their um, like promoting their business on on the solicitations, you know, on, on the magazines, like towards the back. Right. I, I would see the the big kids, and I was, you know, I, I like the uh, like their little artwork they use with the Impala on there. Mm-hmm. It was, it was to me, it was like somewhat iconic. Like, oh, okay, when I see that, I think of this company. Uh, right. But I just. I never got to know, you know, my my friend who lives up north, he 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 remembers buying stuff from them, but it, for him it was more like a mail order service. Yeah, yeah, they definitely had a mail order service. They would mail all over the country. Um and I don't I don't really think those kits were that cheap. Um I think they would sell uh, like a hopping model, you know, all put together for like three four hundred dollars it's a lot of money for you know some of these kids you know or their parents yeah a little plastic model that just kind of bounced yeah you know but yeah because I, I i remember yeah you know wanting to buy certain hopping things back then and and i just remember seeing like a high price tag to me because i was a kid i was like dang i don't think i'm gonna be able to buy this so right. Later, like in the later, like late '90s, I remember Ravel had released um, like like a hopper yep. with uh, I think it was that '63 Impala, the Joker. Yep. And you just hold the button, you know, and it's just it's just like dancing, like it just wilds out, you know. And it was very affordable, but it wasn't like really like the real thing, you know. It right. was it was just just dancing, but. You know, seeing that that was mass produced and the price point it had and everything, you could tell like, ooh, like this is gonna be the that one that's gonna kind of take away some of those sales away from the other oh, stuff that was more expensive. Yeah, yeah, and now, now they, you know, people have perfected the art of uh, uh, hydraulics and and you know, laying the car and side to side and everything else with these models. It's, it's like crazy. Uh, Jervis or Jarius. I I don't know how you say his name. Oh, uh, Jeffries. Jeffries. Um, you know, the stuff he makes is is incredible. Yeah. And, um, and then have you, have you seen, uh, like that, uh, partnership or, or, or the work he's done with Red Cat? for the RC, uh, yeah. and, and cars. And yep. he just recently released, uh, 59 Impala. 
it was like a, they they did a, a first run of I think it was about eight hundred copies or a thousand. I could be wrong, but something like that. I don't know if it's eight hundred or a thousand, but it was it was all black with a red interior. Nice. And it also was gonna have his wheels. And now that that run got sold out, they're onto the other fifty nines in, in other colors, stock colors. And I mean, that's just like a whole another avenue right there that was just created. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he still is very passionate about the model cars. Yeah, but, but I know that right now, you know, he's very busy with with Red Cat, and you know, I think once uh, in the future he'll probably come back and, and do a new like a new hopper or, or just something. He's always a He's always tinkering with something new. Right. You know, to keep him busy, but also to just push that envelope. Like, all right, I'm going to do this now. Yeah, it's crazy. The uh, scissor beds on the mini trucks and, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, it's just it's just nuts what these guys are doing now. You know, from from originally the, the little slot car motor and the battery that made them kind of bounce this mm -hmm. no yeah that, that's true i have another question um this is from a from instagram his name is brandon boyd and mm -hmm. you know this is going back to when we started the podcast we were talking about the dually that you had painted oh right and with the boat so so that color palette right there he wanted to know if you could only use one color for bodies from here on out like you, uh, what color would it be and why? Um, if if I were only going to use one color on all my models for the rest of my life, yeah, like <laughs> for the pretty models, much. yeah, pretty much. So the car has black, it has a blue. The other what color is it? Is it a red or kind of like a maroon kind of color? I'm looking at the photo right now. Oh, on the, on the, the uh, truck, I uh, think it could be candy red. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, um, zoom in. But if I were to only paint all my models one color from now on, I think everything would have to be candy apple red. Okay, that's a that's a good choice right there. Yeah, because if I'm gonna surround myself with a one color, I think it's probably gonna have to be candy apple red. I, I like that color, um, and I never get tired of looking at it. So I think that's what it would have to be. Interesting. That's a good answer right there. That, that's a yeah. definitely a good choice. Yeah, cause um, I mean, man, I, I wish I would I would have got more questions. These are these are fun. <laughs> to, yeah. To ask. <laughs> That's tight. Yeah, I'm looking at the boat. I'm looking at the photos you sent me. All right, and I mean, these are these are awesome. I'm definitely gonna share them on Instagram. Um, oh yeah, so, for so sure. So this way, you know, listeners can see what we were uh, talking about in reference to these to these model builds right here. They look awesome. Yeah, I need to I need to pull out the uh, the lawyer bicycle magazine because I do have those issues where your car the the sixty three is featured in, and um, 
I got to take some photos or like scan it or something, you know, to uh, yeah. to have it um, online as well, so people can see that also. Yeah, you know, um, you know that that video I sent you of the interview mm-hmm. for the motorcycle. Can you post that thing on there? Um, I I have to see um, how because I know with YouTube, um, I don't. I mean, it's uh, you can't really just download a video. Oh, okay. um, if anything, you would have to just like re- the link. Like, yeah, share the link would probably be the like a better way. Maybe what I could do is I could like screenshot the video, and then when you share the the photo, you you add the link to that video. Oh, I, I think that'd probably be better, so people could see um, right there. Oops. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Um, do you, do you want to give out any shout-outs or anything before you uh, wrap up this episode, Gary? Um, I don't really have any. Maybe my wife, Kika, so she doesn't uh, get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Kika Seeds. Real name's Maria, but we call her Kika. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Armando and David Garcia and Henry, Willie from uh, Down to Scale, all the Down to Scale guys, Ron Potts, Paul from the club here. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I guess I, I could give shout outs forever. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll start that YouTube channel um soon and um maybe if uh your listeners are interested it's gonna be uh hanging with mr g seeds um please subscribe if you can or if you would yeah no yeah i'll definitely uh i'll I'll put that out and i'll let my friends know because i you know i do have a lot of friends that they do know who you are like you know they see they love your work so I think they're going to be excited when they find out about this. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Gary. I mean, this was this was awesome uh, having you on the podcast, catching up, and you know, yeah, you're totally welcome, man. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, keep me informed. You know, other projects, things you got going on, uh, please share them, and then um, yeah, you know, I'll definitely send you pics. Yeah, I always look look forward to seeing all all the things that you share. Um. I'm doing that flake top uh, this week. I'll send you pics of that when I'm finish it. Cool. Yeah, I want to see that for sure. And I, I'm going to send you some stuff of mine too. Um, all right. That we were talking about earlier. So, all right, Gary. Well, I hope you have a good night and let's keep in touch. All right, cool. Thank you, Edgar. Oh, you're welcome. Talk Thank you. you. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye.